0: Log Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome. You're listening to Mark My Words here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And today is Sunday, March 16, 2014. I'm Mark Shaw, broadcasting live from New York City. I'm a certified life and business coach, and twice per month I host Mark My Words, which is a life coaching-oriented show where I interview various people with inspiring life stories of overcoming adversity. I also speak with authors of great coaching-related books and programs, as well as many others who have great things to say. So tune in the first and third Sunday of every month, and today's topic is uh, a little near and dear to my heart, and part of me wants to say unfortunately so. Um, I myself, uh, as people who know me probably already know this, was a bullied kid, Um, and uh, so I can certainly relate well to the topic of bullying, and my heart goes out to any kids that face any form of bullying uh, in our schools. And uh, it's a common topic, a very popular topic today. Lots of people are talking and writing about it. And my guest tonight uh, has, has been doing some really amazing work uh, in the area of, of bullying, raising awareness about bullying, particularly uh, among uh, teenagers, high school students, uh, in sports. So um, I'll introduce him in just a minute, but I also just want to tell a brief story Uh, about a very healing moment that happened uh, with regard to my childhood bullying, and it only happened a few years ago. Uh, So there I was, bullied from elementary school, junior high school, high school, and I was at my 25-year reunion, and a gentleman came up to me and said hello, asked me if I remembered him. Um, I actually didn't at first, just very, very vaguely. And he said, well, I'm really, really happy to see you here. You're one of the people that I hoped to see here. Uh, and that's because you're one of the people that I bullied back in high school. And uh, I made your life pretty miserable by pushing you into the lockers, by putting some tacks on your chair, putting gum on your chair, slamming you into walls, things like that. At which point I said, yes, now I remember. So he said to me, uh, he said, well, I was hoping to see you because um, I wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to apologize to you for being such a jerk. And uh, I was pretty stunned by that, and I really I, I appreciated that. It was a very healing moment. I told many people that story over the following five years, and that was at my 25-year reunion. Um, and over the following five years, I told that story in a lot of my seminars and classes as it was relevant to many different topics. And uh, then I saw him again at my 30-year reunion. Now, if anybody was wondering how old I am, I guess I just gave that away. But I didn't tell you when the 30-year reunion was. Um, And, but it wasn't very long ago and I saw him and I asked him, I said, do you remember the conversation we had five years ago? He said, yes, I do. And I said, well, there's a couple of things that I wanted to respond uh, to you about that kind of came to mind afterwards. If you don't mind, he said, sure, that's great. So the first thing I said was you owe me about $10,000 for all the therapy I had to go through to become a whole person again. So we had a nice opportunity to laugh over that. I said, but seriously, in the last five years, we've been having a lot of awareness around teen bullying and particularly the teen suicide rate uh, among teenagers who are bullied and uh, particularly among gay and lesbian teenagers, GLBT teenagers. So uh, I said, so seriously, I just need to let you know that you were playing with fire back then when you were doing that to me and any of the other kids. Now, fortunately, I never experienced those kinds, of, uh, those kinds of feelings and thoughts in response to being bullied. I'm not sure why, but I'm thankful. But I easily could have, um, as so many do. So, um, so I explained that to him, and I said, I just, you know, I just really, the, the little kid in me needs, to, needs you to know that. So he smiled, and he said, Mark, I, I totally get that, and I need to let you know who I've become. And he said, I have an 11-year-old daughter. And if she was to do any one of the things that I did to you and other kids, particularly those I thought were gay, I would be absolutely mortified and humiliated. And I need you to know that that's who I've become. And it was really an incredible, incredible moment. We ended up hugging, and we had tears in our eyes, and everybody's looking over. and like, what's up with Sam over there? So um, very lovely. And then, and then fast forward, I had the opportunity to go back to my high school and talk to kids about what it's like, what it was like growing up gay in those hallways. And I talked a lot about the bullying, um, and uh, it was just really an incredible experience uh, seeing how much things have changed uh, with regard to a lot of that. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about tonight's topic with our with our guest, Randy Nathan, um, and because as much as has changed and as exciting as that was for me. Um, there's a lot that hasn't changed, and as we know, every time we turn around the news, there's another story uh, about this kind of stuff, um, a lot of it being in the sports world. And uh, so uh, it's, it's still something that needs to be talked about. And I'm really happy uh, to have Randy uh, on the show with us tonight. He's written an amazing book uh, about bullying in, in teen sports, high school sports, And uh, I know he does amazing work out there, which I'll let him tell you all about, with regard to coaching
1: uh, high
0: school students and and others uh, on many things, but also
1: including this area.
0: So, Randy, thank you for being here, and welcome to Mark My Words.
1: Thanks, Mark. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to be here. I appreciate it, bro. Oh, certainly, certainly.
0: So... uh, Also, just so you all know, Randy and I, uh, we we taught together a little bit. Uh, Randy also used to be an instructor at IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence and Coaching, where I teach, and uh, so we've had the opportunity to share the front of the room together, and uh, I can tell you all, Randy's a lot of fun, so we don't think we're going to be (laughs) starved for conversation in in this interview, do do we, Randy?
1: (laughs) Oh, just you wait. (laughs) Well, cool, cool.
0: So, uh, so great. Well, thanks again, Randy, for being here. really appreciate it. And uh, it's a really, really important topic. And I'm hoping that a lot of people um, who are tuning in um, are, are, are ready to, to, to learn quite a bit from you. And I also hope that folks have questions, by the way. So um, please feel free to give us a call, because we'll be taking your calls live on the air tonight. The call-in number is 646 646- Seven one six ninety three ninety seven. 716 9397 That's 646-716-9397. Uh, so call in with any questions or comments that you have. And uh, so, so Randy, you talk a lot about the uh, what you call a culture of bullying in sports. So I want to elaborate on that a little bit uh, and get your thoughts on that and kind of open the discussion there. But first, tell me a little bit about how did you – develop a passion for this particular topic and uh, decide to, to 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 help out uh, with issues such as this?
1: Um, good question, Mark. Always the uh, appropriate one to start off with. Uh, very open-ended, so I can mm. keep on going as long as I need. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've always done uh, intervention of bullying and spoke on general elements of bullying. But about two and a half years ago, following a... Uh, a private baseball team that I had put together after experiencing a couple unruly parents. I was uh, visiting uh, Sports Authority here in East Hanover, New Jersey, because we were doing a shoe drive for Haiti. And the manager came out and asked me about what it was that I did. Uh, I was a life coach and my speaking and my practice and my business, and he offered his store, his name is Marty Teller, uh, offered me his store to present and in that moment, I was you know, that's really something because there's a lot of bullying in sports that takes place. And it was just something I said on a whim, believing in it, but not really knowing exactly what I had just uh, acknowledged. And so from that point forward, I started doing information, putting together a presentation. The first one I did was bullying in sports, what parents, coaches, and players need to know. And I started speaking uh, in sports authority locations in New Jersey. I was invited to speak at the International Bullying Prevention Association's conference in Kansas City in uh, November 2012. And while presenting this topic for the first time at that kind of large venture uh, um, uh, uh, location, I had about 7,500 people standing room only and about 20 people lined up uh, following my remarks and asked for a copy of my book. And as every presenter knows, when someone asks you for your book, you say thank you very much. And I am in the process of writing it now, and please give me your email and I will send it to you when I'm done. And so I uh, went back to my hotel room and uh, literally started writing what I had just presented into a book format and began the process of writing the book beginning in November of 2012. And over the course of time, became, uh became uh, into a book, what I now have called Bullying and Sports, A Guide to Identifying the Injuries We Don't See.
0: Wow. That's great. So it sounds like at one level um it 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 kind of the the topic found you more than you finding it almost uh accidentally and of course I put accidentally in quotes is um, uh, is that how it, is that how it seemed to 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 live for you at least for a while
1: well mark you know i 'm a coach as are you, and we know there are no accidents, so it was just a matter of time yeah. until we uh figured until I kind of put it together. I had been a uh, youth sports coach uh on the middle school high school level for quite some time, and it was just a matter of time until I put uh, sports and bullying together, and it just seemed the time was right, and things came together at that time.
0: Wow. Great. So let me ask you this. I'm really curious about this now that you've said that. As you look back over uh, your whole life, can you see other clues now in retrospect and in hindsight that kind of make sense that this would eventually become uh, an important
1: topic to you later in your life. I think partly my, I grew up, my sport was baseball, and my dream was to play college ball and go on, and I just didn't have the talent. and uh, But I do have a number of memories, in particular of coaches, of coaches that I looked up to and coaches that when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, that in hindsight uh, did things to, to kids in terms of their behavior that were just uh I just don't know how they did it, and they lived with themselves. I was a 12-year-old kid playing on a team called the Denver Reds out in southeast Denver, and uh, the coach's name was Ron Higgins, and uh, he was a well-known coach. And I just had a bad game against a team called Powell World of Sleep, and I was playing second base. I was a 12-year-old kid, and three balls went underneath my legs. I made three errors, and so the first one I freaked out. second one, by the third time, I was just completely lost. And after that game, he replaced me and I didn't play another inning the rest of the season. It was about halfway through. Uh, and uh, it sticks with me today in a matter of which um, it just shut me down. And um, it, sure. uh, it's, it's painful, and I love the game. I love the sport, and he was a great coach in terms of learning. And I just don't think that because uh, uh, I wanted to learn more about it. I didn't know why it happened. I mean, I knew I messed up, but I figured, you know, I had one bad game. You know, everybody's allowed a bad game but apparently uh, you're not allowed a bad game at that age. And it uh, was the beginning of uh, kind of the, the travel kind of component of baseball, which has become a very sophisticated, very, very lucrative billion-dollar business today.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I just feel, it, my heart sinks, and I feel sad when you say, apparently you're not allowed to have a bad game at that age. It's like, what's the purpose of being involved in team sports, particularly at that age, uh, or at any age, for that matter. You know, it, it's, it's about learning uh, all the things you ought to learn by being involved in team sports. It's about you know, learning good stuff like that. So it, it, it just seems to be counter to that purpose uh, to create or, or send the message uh, to the people that are involved that you can't have a bad game
1: or you lose something very important to you. Well, what has really happened, Mark, is that over the past 20 years, uh, there's begun what I call a consumerization of youth sports. That, you know, 60, Mm -hmm. 70 years ago with youth sports, it was just to keep kids off the street. It was stickball. It was fun. It was rec. And then came along this travel component of more competitive sports, which makes sense because there's some kids who excel, and so you create an environment in which they can compete. But then out comes this element of business and the cost in every single sport uh, has coaches for kids as young as 8, 9 years old, whether it's a hitting coach or pitching coach for baseball, a soccer uh, specialist for goalies. Uh, in football, you have quarterback coaches as young as 8, 9 years old. And there's this element of having to focus on one sport and excel to one sport as young as seven, eight, nine years old, uh, which is uh, it's sad uh, because sports are meant to have fun. Uh, they teach great life skills, but requiring a kid to focus on one sport at such a young age is just uh, – uh, it's antithetical to what sports is really about in terms of being out there enjoying the game and learning what it means to have fun.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so talk a little bit, Randy, about the uh, how that leads to the culture of bullying uh, that you're you're talking about, and uh, where where does that come? From?
1: How does it relate to? It's uh, it's unique in terms of the, 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 the culture of bullying in sports. Um, when I go and I speak, um, and I'm trained by the LVS Bullying Prevention Program, and travel throughout the uh, the Northeast uh, on general bullying topics, um, there's uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of what is the definition of bullying. There's a lot of different definitions out there. However, those of us who are mm-hmm. in the industry, those of us who are experts, understand that bullying really requires three things. It is aggressive in nature. It's behavior that's repeated for the most part, and it creates an imbalance of power. Uh, and those are the three pieces that separates bullying from conflict, separates bullying from you know just teasing and horseplay, and most people don't necessarily have a true understanding of what the definition is. It's that imbalance of power. You can have conflict where someone stands up for himself and you d- deal with conflict management or peer mediation, but when there's an imbalance of power, that changes the component of bullying. In sports, I was just speaking to a bunch of uh, uh, young uh, young high school uh, students up in uh, Wyckoff, New New uh, New Jersey, just a short while ago. That if I was talking to them as a as a mental training life coach, which I do, I would tell them there's three things that I want you to think about when you be, be an exceptional athlete. You need to be aggressive. You need to go out, push yourself, force yourself. Take the advantage. You need to repeat. You need to repeat and repeat some more. You need to practice. That practice doesn't make perfect. That perfect practice makes perfect. And then in order to win, because we have a win-at-all-cost mentality, you have to create an imbalance of power, both physically and mentally. So ironically, in the world of sports, we are actually mm-hmm. promoting a bully mentality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, wow. So, it, so much... Something comes to mind as you're speaking that I want to that I want to go to because it's such a rich topic. So what? Um, where to begin?
2: So what do you
0: say to parents or um, or teenagers, teachers, coaches, coaches that are that are saying stuff like, "Well, you know, you know, you got to just realize that kids are just going to be kids. They're just learning. They're just learning. are gonna you're gonna toughen them up." It'll make them strong. And this kind of crapola uh, that some people say, it's like, oh, you know, don't get involved. It's going to come well, up. It's important. They've got to learn how to defend
1: themselves. That, that is something that uh, I'm facing. I've been accused of, uh, of only wanting to sell books. And I was on a radio show with w, uh, in Philadelphia. Oh that The reason why I got on is I wanted to sell books. And let me tell you, Mark, I got a book, but I don't make a lot of money from the book. But it stretch the imagination. Uh, I want to speak. I want to raise awareness. Um, and that my goal was to make athletes wimps, that I am dissented. I'm, I'm, I'm making them wussies, which is a, a word where you combine wimp and wussy uh, with a P, right? Uh, and you combine those things. And that is by, by, on the contrary. Uh, I do know that in particular uh, within sports, we have a very large uh, sense of homophobia that is pervasive in sports. And when it comes to male sports, uh, the idea is that you've got to be tough, and you've got to be strong, you've got to be a man. And we push that mentality on kids and that your coaches often talk about their players being soft, uh, which means they can't take a hit, they can't do something. We've got to turn these, mm-hmm. these kids into men. And so we teach them that men don't cry and that men don't do certain things. You've got to stand up and be strong. Uh, we certainly want our, our, our young young kids to turn up to be outstanding leaders uh, and contact of character and individuals who make a difference. Uh, but when you do it in the confine of a win at all cost and demeaning others, we're training them in such a way where it's inappropriate. Because um, I get a lot of time in the, in the sports world where kids use that, well, that's so gay, and it drives me crazy. And whenever I hear it, it's always a teachable moment, whether I'm, I'm the coach of the team or I'm a, a bystanding parent. I'm like, whoa, 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 because there's something to say in terms of belittling, in terms of what that means. It's derogatory in nature, and it's awful. It's pervasive in sports. And I'm not sure if you had a chance to uh, uh, you ever Google, if you Google male sports, uh, you will see incredible athletes dressed up and, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, LeBron, James, Tiger Woods, all looking appropriate like athletes. If you Google female athletes, what do you think you get, Mark? I want to guess. Swimsuits, bikinis. Exactly. And we're not talking – these. and these female athletes aren't swimmers. They're golfers. They're tennis right. players. Uh, they're soccer players. Uh, and so within the world of sports – uh, if a female athlete is good, well, the automatic assumption, they say, well, that's because she's a lesbian. Uh, and if right. a male athlete is soft, that's because he's gay. And it's something that we have seen. It happen a year ago uh, with Steve Culliver, who was a uh, defensive pl- uh, player for the San Francisco 49ers when uh, Artie Lang asked about gay football players, and he made the inappropriate comments. And now we have this wonderful young man coming out of Missouri uh, who's had a horrendous life, who's had an incredible life in terms of overcoming adversity, uh, who is openly and proudly gay, and has said, listen, you know, I'm gay, I'm coming to football. Uh, I think the other day we were joking, Mark. Imagine, you know, we're Jewish, you know. We have to announce that we're Jewish coming out playing football. I'm a Jewish football player. uh, And see if that would harm us. There's not many of us, but certainly... Uh, sure. It's just having to do that is just so shameful. Um, but he is transforming the way we see it, football players, and it's about time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that, actually, because there's nothing that incenses me more when someone comes out than people go, Why didn't they have to make a big deal out of it and announce it? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't announce that I'm straight. I don't yes. announce that I'm white. I don't yeah. announce that I'm Christian, you know. And it's like, and you just really encapsulated it right there. So I, I, I really uh, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, you know it's amazing too how the, the whole notion of uh, you know what what masculinity is, right? And it's about being tough. And apparently, straight men are tough, gay men are not. So if you're soft, you
1: must be queer, right? That kind of thing. And well, that's uh, the whole point that uh, it, that comes around the bullying, and especially what we call the locker room mentality. In my in my book, uh, I have a chapter mm-hmm. called the locker room mentality, which I wrote following. The, uh, the case that came out down in Miami with Jonathan Martin and Rich Incognito because I started to get inside the mind frame of this whole idea, this excuse of locker room mentality and the excuse that, well, football is a different sport and that uh, when I go and speak and I talk about behaviors in terms of how we treat kids as athletes, I get parents all the time coming up to me and saying, yeah, but football's different, as if because you play football, somehow you're excused over the kind of behavior. Now, on the field, I get it, but it doesn't give you the right off the field to treat each other and talk to people and demean them and create that imbalance simply because you know how to play a football and throw it better than somebody else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and that, that whole um, locker room mentality thing has always driven me crazy as well. And you're right, it does. It excuses a lot of, of, of bad behavior. Um, and uh, it's really, it's intolerable. And one of the things that I was delighted about when I went back to, when I went back to Fairlawn High School uh, to do my talk through the Live Out Loud program, um, which, by the way, I'll just put a plug in for while I'm at it. Live Out Loud is a, it's an LGBT youth organization uh, that helps to support LGBT youth, and one of their programs is the, uh, the Homecoming Project where they look for adult LGBT positive role models who can go out there and give a positive message about you know where, where their lives have gone after, after growing up gay in the hallways of those high schools to kind of give hope to other kids and raise awareness. So when I did that, I did my homecoming talk twice, actually, and the second time was to a group of oh, a little over 100 kids. Um, and it was really amazing. I talked about uh, something related to the locker room mentality, and it was that the, the teachers that I had the biggest trouble with as a kid were the male gym teachers. Yes. And that's because you know, cause I, I was softer than most of the other kids. Um, i didn't like sports to begin with, I still don 't so being made to uh, play those sports, not that i 'm against the concept of teaching kids those things and having them step outside of just you know just what they want to do, um, but because i didn 't like it and wasn 't very good at it um, i I was ridiculed, and the gym teachers were often no better than the other kids, or they at least didn 't stop it, or they saw it as that 's just you know what boys
1: it's do. A, each it's a it 's a rite awkward. of passage, and to somehow right you 're wrong.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, what was really great uh, in, in, as we look at how have things changed, what was great was when I talked about that in my talk about how the male gym teachers were the ones that were, that were the most difficult and challenging for me. And, how, and then a, a gentleman raised his hand and he said, um, he says, I'm a gym teacher here. And he goes, and uh, all the students in my classes are here. Um, because I wanted them to come and hear you talk, because I think this is an important topic, and a lot has changed since you went to high school here. Another gentleman came up to me later. He goes, I also am a gym teacher here, and uh, I went to high school here as well about 10 years after you did, and things were bad then too. And he goes, I really want you to know how much things have changed. We don't tolerate that stuff here. And I was so thrilled to hear that, um, yet I'm also you know, not blind to the fact that on the flip side of that, there's still so much more work to be done uh, around that and there are many places where not a lot has changed and I'm sure you, you, know, you see that, you're on the forefront of that, you see that more than I do
1: it, and as a matter of fact it's even worse than what it used to be Mark um, what, it, what has happened what's transpired is uh, as I mentioned, there's this consumerization of sports and so many parents mm-hmm. many families spend thousands of dollars on their kids to be prepared and trained uh, to, to play high school sports And in these programs, these coaches, whether it's soccer or baseball or tennis, these coaches have often offered praise of how amazing and great these kids are as athletes. And then when they get to high school Mm -hmm. and the high school varsity coach takes over, they've never seen these kids. They don't know the same players. And all of a sudden now we're talking about playing time. And parents are very concerned about playing time. And kids are concerned about playing time. Uh, Because when they're on a travel team, you can change travel teams to get your playing time. So, these parents know how these expectations, and when their kids aren't playing, they get upset, and parents are now are mm-hmm. beginning to turn the table and using situations in sports where now they're claiming because of playing time they're not being openly you know outward about it, but because of playing time are beginning to call the coach a bully coach, and coaches are being accused of situations that aren't real. Wow, wow. Uh, and we call those the woolly parents,
0: yeah, so you know the the parents really uh help to create that culture um and 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 certainly perpetuate it. Um, we actually have a caller that I'd like to jump to uh, so uh let's go ahead and do that. So caller from area code nine seven two go ahead. you're on the air. on mark my words.
1: Hi, Mark.
2: This is Thomas. Hi, Thomas. How are you? Good, good. Um, You are one of my NBA coaches from Cornell, just so you know who this is. Ah, yes.
0: Yes, I do. I'm so glad you called in.
2: Yes, and um, I wanted to call in because what you were talking about, um, referring to the coaches, really resounded because I was among the youngest kids in my class, not athletic, and I was really bullied by the coaches more than the students. The coaches sort of set the Mm -hmm. tone that it was okay to pick on me. And what mm-hmm. became even more interesting was my job in high school was a sports reporter. So I got to meet 50 plus coaches in the surrounding cities. And out of those 50 coaches, I can still list the three I thought were decent people, which is a really horrible ratio. Sure. Um,
1: no, Thomas, it's great that you called in. Thanks for calling in. I'd, uh, I I want to say that uh, part of my, my work is when I do talk to coaches. Um, I was at uh, a book signing event. Uh, Sports Authority is one of my partners and sponsors, and I was in Manalapan. And they had uh, a bunch of dads and parents coming of eight, nine-year-olds. And what was amazing, the people who approached me the most as far as my book, Mark, you'll find this interesting, were the eight, nine, and ten-year-old kids. I had great conversations with them. The moms came over and said, oh, my gosh, we need to get these books in the coaches' hands. And all the dads or the coaches, you can, they have this certain mentality, this certain bravado about walking around. Mm-hmm. And, like, they've got something to do in terms of this impression of what it means to be a coach. Uh, and it's something that we need to address because most of these coaches aren't trained, unlike your school coaches. These are just dads are going out there, have no idea really what they're doing. Maybe they played a sport, but we're allowing people to work with our kids who don't have the necessary credentials to work with kids.
2: I, I want to clarify that the 50 plus coaches I knew were all high school coaches.
1: Well, uh, and that them were talked about I, the importance I, I, of why we have to go in there.
2: And, and the one thought I wanted to leave you with before I let you guys continue was the repercussions of what happened because mm-hmm. I went on to have a very successful academic career and I became a bully in the workplace. If you told me you were athletic or a coach, I would belittle you. I would give you horrible assignments. I would treat you horribly. It took me 10 years to get over that. So the repercussions of this are also worth discussing because these things aren't thought about. But if you ran into me in my late 20s, early 30s, and I thought you were athletic, I was going to make your life hell. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, it would certainly make sense. A little payback.
2: Um, I I did the payback. (laughs) for several years it took me a while to get over it Um, I am over it now thank goodness but I think that's something that's got to be considered it's how you reach out to people like me who were bullied and how you can stop us from exacting revenge because I seriously hurt people's careers
1: yeah well Tom listen it's it's something that uh, falls right in line with why I'm focusing initially on bullying in sports Uh, Mark can I spend a couple minutes on this sure go ahead so, part of what my goal is is that uh, we are a very sports centric culture. uh One out of two kids uh in high school uh plays at least one sport in some situations, three out of four kids. There are fifty million kids that play athletes that play athletics throughout this country uh, and you take the parents that are involved. The thing is is corporate america mark loves athletes. we love them right they want to hire them, and they also like. The fraternity and sorority kids and girls, because often those kids that are involved with fraternities and sororities were athletes in high school. And so there's a certain mentality that corporate America loves. And the further extension of what goes on in bullying in sports is how we create that mentality in corporate America. I mean, it makes complete sense for someone who's bullied his whole life, it's learned behavior. And clearly he learned, and he just openly acknowledged it, which takes a lot of courage to say, listen, I became a bully in the workforce because, you know what? I saw that it worked. I could make someone's life a living hell. I had, I was. It could be aggressive. I could repeat the behavior, and I was able to create an imbalance of power. And bullying is a learned behavior that needs to be addressed. And it's not just a school issue. It's a community issue. It's a, it's a political issue. It's a human issue. Unfortunately, the word bullying. When you say that word bully, people roll their eyes because they think Ugh, that's just child's play. All
0: right. Sure. So so Thomas, uh, I'm interested in something uh, you said that uh, you know a very small percentage of the coaches that you've met were what you would call decent people. What would you what would be some of the characteristics of a coach that you would characterize as a decent person in contrast to the others that uh, <laughs> that seem to overwhelm the market?
2: There were some that really stand out. <clears throat> uh, one was a coach by the name of Paul Smirian. I I think he's now passed away. Um, he, had a, he had a slight speech impediment. His voice was really rough. But I never once heard him curse at his team. And they, did, they didn't have a very good team either. But, you know, just the way he treated mm-hmm. the boys, it was a football team. He was much more engaged with them. The the respect that some of the other coaches gave for their students um, was mm-hmm. just – that was what stood out, not cursing at them, not yelling at them, being a positive attitude. Um, Mm-hmm. Not being abusive. I mean, the, the abusive language hurled at these high school kids was an R-rated movie from most yeah. of the coaches. Sure. Um, the feelings that they put on these kids if they didn't win was of absolute and abject failure. So the coaches that yeah. didn't do that were yeah. I admired. Um, they were, I guess, in, so, you in, know, in yeah, our sense, more, more professional. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, what, what I'm kind of hearing is is, is interesting because uh, it, it alludes to what Randy said, too, about uh, you know corporate America and the parallels there, right? So with all the corporate coaching and stuff that I do, um, I'm always aware of what makes a good leader, what makes a good business leader, what makes a good manager, a good executive. And it's really the same characteristics. <laughs> it's really the same characteristics that you're speaking of, you know, what happens when people quote-unquote mess up. You know how does the leader respond to that? And really, it's it's the same thing for the for, for the coaches. It's what we what we call in the uh, in the IPEC coaching world being an anabolic leader. You know, one who really leads from a place of creating win wins, and not from a place of uh, you know I'm better than you and uh, there's right and wrong. So uh, so so Thomas, thank you. I appreciate your call very much. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming Tom. in. And uh, thanks,
2: appreciate it. Bye.
0: So uh, great. So before we uh, before we go on. Uh, I just want to take a little quick break about the next three shows that are that are coming up and uh, here on the Life Coach Radio Network. So starting with Tuesday, this coming Tuesday at 8 p.m., we've got New You City Chat with Danielle Mercurio. Uh, your city, Danielle's business. Turn on the light within you to ignite your life on fire. Make your spirituality sparkle. Fall in love with someone adorable. Be in love with your town and find yourself in the process. Danielle is a lifestyle coach that helps you manifest your dreams and your reality through intuitive coaching, guided meditation, and astrology and tarot readings. She can help you find everything from getting a hot body to landing an amazing career to obtaining inner peace. And then following that, the next show up on Life Coach Radio Network is on Thursday at 2 o'clock p.m., um, and that is Walk Your Talk with Leanne and Crystal Lyons, Cowgirl Logic. Leanne is a certified professional coach, and her specialty is working with adoptees and their families. And her heart is uh, all in helping adoptees and their families build bridges, not walls, in all of their relationships. So she'll be joined uh, this week by singer and songwriter Crystal Lyons, who's a woman of many talents, including writing monthly articles for eight magazines across the U.S. and producing a two-minute radio spot that's catching on like wildfire, called cowgirl logic she's recorded nine cds she travels to rodeos western events uh and uh she's just pretty amazing so uh tune in there that's again on thursday at 2 p.m for walk your talk with leanne and crystal and then we've got on uh, friday at 12 noon train your brain to up your game with coach mandy so join Coach Mandy Rosniak of Inner Winning Coaching uh, on Friday at noon. This week her show is going to be all about honoring love, truth, and fulfilling our purpose. It's going to be a tribute to her father, who recently passed away, and we'll be discussing living life to its fullest with no regrets. Uh, she'll be joined by fellow coach Lori Fortuna, who also can speak of learning from a loss and then follow to then follow your true life purpose and passion. So, Mandy, my condolences to you and your family as I keep you all in my thoughts uh, and condolences to you on the passing of your father. Uh, And then lastly, my next show, two weeks from tonight, here on Mark My Words, I will be interviewing uh, a Mr. Claude Safel. And Claude's specialty as a coach is coaching dads. He coaches men who want to be better fathers to their children. Uh, he's got some amazing, amazing things to say. He's done some really great work and, uh, very proud of him because he's also a former student of mine. Um, and, uh, so should be sure to tune in, uh, two weeks from tonight at nine o'clock for Mark My Words while I interview Claude. And now back to this episode. So, uh, I lost track, Randy. Where were we before, uh, before our caller called in? <laughs>
1: No, it's great to have someone call in. I know that uh, I've got my dad listening down there in uh, Adventure, Florida, and, of course, my amazing wife, Jess listening, uh, just putting our kids to bed. Uh, So uh, she's on, and I appreciate the chance to be here. We were uh, just talking about the the variables that we're learning in terms of bullying and that it's not so simple. Um, Part of what got me involved as I started looking at bullying in sports is there has not been research done on this specific area in over 20 years. Uh, the last really? time there was some kind of specific study research on bullying in sports was in 1993, and it was uh, out of Minnesota, but it focused a lot on coaches' behavior uh, and uh, how they treated players. A lot of times, uh, one of the areas of concern is that uh, our, you know, our players being pushed too hard, uh, and a lot of times we have seen... Injuries have gone up significantly in sports-related in uh, in, uh, injuries, uh, probably because players are being pushed to come back. Uh, you know, A couple of years ago, concussions were not where they are today. I often say that bullying in sports today is where concussions were a couple of years ago, uh, where if you got your bell rung, they would look at you and say, shake it off and get back in. Now there's protocols in place to ensure that that kind of uh, behavior is stopped, and we don't put kids in harm's way, and we have our brains, uh, and it started off, as a small movement, and now it's very large, and it's it's nice. And so I'm hoping that uh, uh, this concept of bullying in sports takes uh, the same kind of fire and kind of gets lit. It's taking time, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's dealing with that white elephant in the room, Mark, and no one likes to deal with those kind of issues.
0: Yep, absolutely. I think it's a pink
1: elephant, isn't it? Pink, <laughs> it's a purple baboon, it's a gorilla, white elephant, it's uh, it's that <laughs> thing that people notice, that no one wants to talk about.
0: That's right, I uh, the white elephant I think is the, that's, that's when you give somebody a gift that somebody gave you the previous year and you I it It was a white elephant <laughs> um, but uh yeah, you know it's interesting too uh i I really liked the uh what you said about corporate America too because of course that's you know that's uh uh where I focus a lot of my coaching and um it's, it's, I'm seeing a parallel that I've not quite seen uh, in all the talking that we've done leading up to tonight's, uh, tonight's show, Randy, and that is uh, you talked about how it's the commercialization when it starts becoming about money that the yeah. purpose completely shifts, the focus completely shifts, and quote-unquote bad stuff starts happening. Right? Correct. And the same thing happens with businesses and companies. How many businesses and companies get started with a, with a really great social purpose in mind? Um, and then somehow, as money starts entering the picture more and more and more, the, sh- the focus, rather than being on, on, on who's supposed to be served by this, becomes on making the stockholders and the shareholders and whatnot more money and Correct. that of course means that the people originally that were going to be served by what this company does uh end up getting the short end of the stick. Um, Correct. And that's really kind of what's happening now. It's these teenage you know, it's these teen um these teen athletes that are getting the short end of the stick ultimately because of the grown-ups that want to make money off of this.
1: Correct. And it's uh it's unfortunate and a lot of times uh dreams are exacerbated and and uh embellished. And uh, because the business needs to stay in business, and they know that uh, in order for them to stay in business, they need to have clients. And uh, there's a lot of great uh, travel programs out there that are in it for the right right reason. I'm involved with a company called Ball Player's Edge in uh, Cedar Nolan, New Jersey, and those guys understand that it's really about the kids. But there are others here in the area that are concerned about the dollars and push and focus and push more and push more and charge thousands of dollars, and parents pay that money. Uh, with the expectation of some kind of return on that investment.
0: Right. Right. How so much there's do you think, a Randy that 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 kind of stuff is motivated by the parents trying to live out some of their own hopes and dreams that maybe they didn't get to live out, and they're trying to live that through their kids. And they're really on their own agenda, not on their kids' agenda.
1: Well, that goes. I mean, it's really involved with sports, but I think a lot of parents uh, were so concerned about our kids being right and being successful and. Uh, I have other presentations where I talk to kids about uh, the blueprint of life and how it's always about getting good grades to get into a good college, to get a good job, to make a lot of money, and to be happy. And that's just not a blueprint, but most parents believe that is. So certainly within sports, there seems to be a chance to potentially make it easier. And when you start throwing around seven-figure salaries uh, for the pros, it makes sense for parents to want to invest when people are saying how wonderful and amazing their kid is an athlete.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other farther-reaching impacts of bullying uh, on the school environment as a whole, on the community as a whole? Because you said before, it's really it's a school problem, it's a community problem. Uh, so what are some of those farther-reaching, longer-term impacts that, that sometimes are even harder to address?
1: Well, as we discussed, I had mentioned the, this culture of bullying, and so we inculcate kids to think and act like bullies, even though that's not the overall intention. And so when kids and athletes walk around school, uh, the hallway spreads so these kids can walk in. They're wearing their jerseys. It's very intimidating. Uh, one of the uh, most common traits of popularity for male high school students is being a good at sports. For females, it's it's being pretty. Uh, and so if your parents know this, is they want their kids to be liked in school, and it increases the chances significantly. Uh, within schools, uh, what I often talk to uh, as far as far-reaching, what we don't realize is generally 5% of the student population are the actual bullies themselves. 10% are what we call as targets, and we're removing the word victim from our our, our, our conversations, because they're not victims, they're targets of bullying, and so we want to remove the victimization of it, and as a coach you can appreciate that. 85% sure. of the population are bystanders, people who just stand and walk by and don't do anything. There's various forms of bystanders, and I go into great detail of the aggressive forms, and the passive forms of bystanders, but since that's learned behavior, as a bystander in high school You become a bystander in college You become a bystander at work And we never get a chance to stop that cycle And work, when it comes to bullying We call it politics We call it the glass ceiling We call it the executive washroom We have different names But the element of sp- bullying Is not just focused on youth It goes beyond the pale and goes within the, uh, um, the, the corporate co- uh, component Wow well
0: yeah it's the, you know it's the bystander piece, too. Um, in fact, when I uh, did my talk uh, at Farallon High School, I talked about uh, becoming an upstander instead of a bystander, you know, which is about really speaking up and standing well, up. You know me that's a, That's a
1: big part. That's a big part of what this book is about. Uh, my goal uh, with writing this is to uh, identify the bully culture, identify bully coaches, bully parents players, also focus a lot on officials uh, and what what I refer to as the universal target in bullying in sports because parents, players, and coaches all go after officials, which is horrendous. There's so many stories out, and I've been in touch with the National Association of Officials and the stories of uh, humiliation, intimidation, injuring, physical altercations, and we're talking with athletes as young as eight, nine years old. This is not high school only, Uh, and in the third part of my book is I focus on what I call the game-changer attitude, meaning that in sports, a game-changer is someone who dramatically alters the course of a game. It could be Michael Jordan and LeBron James on the national level, but kids in high school who in a moment take the ball in basketball, and they control the game, and they win the game for their team. I want to use sports as a gateway to better implementation of bullying, intervention, and prevention, meaning since most schools have... 50 to 60 percent of their population already involved with sports. We need to do a better job with the athletic directors, which then do a better job with the coaches because the coaches need to have a better understanding of their behavior and consequences. We have the coach up in Boston University now who's just been accused of bullying her basketball players, the girls' basketball players. Four girls came out on uh, this weekend, two more just came out today in terms of uh, claiming uh, bullying by a coach. And then once we help raise awareness with our coaches, coaches can hold their players accountable in a whole different way. The bond between a player and coach is special and unique. A student-teacher relationship is great, it's nice, and it's worthwhile, but the coach-player bond is much more unique and much more powerful. And if coaches begin to help raise awareness with their players, hold their players accountable for the behavior, either as bullying behavior or bystander behavior, we have a greater chance to impact the culture of a school and the community because everybody in town supports sports. And that way we can help kids understand the impact and help them become leaders, gain an element of acceptance, and become upstanders on the field and off the field.
0: Yeah. So it, it really it starts you know it starts at the top, and again in corporate in corporate coaching uh, that's the same case too. You know we talk about things like valuing diversity in the workplace because I've done tons of diversity training, or just you know role modeling of, of effective leadership behaviors. That if you want your team uh, in your in your in your business to operate in in X Y or Z manner, then you need to role model that from the top. Which is why we always talk about how it's the business leaders that need the training first. Right? and I'm hearing, again, the parallel for that in the sports world. It's got to start at the top. It's got to start with the coaches. They need to really understand the impact they have and be concerned about the impact that they have. And let's say a fish stinks from the head down, right? So if there's a problem <laughs> at the bottom, well, it's usually because it's a problem at the top, and, uh, and that's what you're addressing.
1: It's certainly supposed to, and that's the hard part is when I speak, I speak to a lot of teachers, and teachers are very difficult audience to speak to coaches are even more so coaches have a very set way in how they see things a lot of coaches emulate what they learned from their coaches in terms of how to coach which leads Mm -hmm. me to believe that we need to begin to break that model a lot of coaches refer to themselves as old school coaches and i'm not a big fan of the old school coach because i don't have an old school phone i don't have an old school laptop I don't even drive an old-school car. I don't think any of us do. It's an excuse for us to learn how to tolerate unacceptable behavior. What's amazing about that kind of behavior is you take a teacher in a classroom, right, give them a whistle. All of a sudden, the personality changes. You would never allow a teacher in a classroom to scream and yell, curse and drop F-bombs at a student for doing lousy on a test in the same capacity that we allow coaches on the field to scream and humiliate players on the field. It would never be allowed. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. But yet in sports, because of the culture, we seem to think that's okay, and we embrace it as parents, we embrace it as adults, and kids and players learn that that's acceptable behavior, and they have no choice but to feel helpless in the matter which is being done.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's (laughs) – Never thought about it that way. Also, it's like we, we tolerate behavior from coaches that we would never tolerate from teachers. Teachers would get fired for doing half the stuff that coaches do yes, that Yes, they tolerate.
1: do. Absolutely. And we need to begin to look at those coaches and get rid of those so-called old school coaches. Every player wants to be pushed. Athletes like to have an element of excellence. They want to be pushed. They want to be motivated. They want to strive to give their best. They want to stay focused, have a great attitude, and be part of an incredible experience, and particularly if they're involved with a team sport. What they don't want is to be belittled, to be humiliated, to be broken down as if there's some kind of un, uh, small piece of the cog where they don't matter and they're insufficient. That's not what sports is about. We need to learn and teach kids to build them up and help building them up, even if they're not going to be the starting nine or the starting five, that there's still some way to contribute and help off the bench and be part of a successful team experience.
0: And that's, that's the intent, and that's, just, that's gotten lost. It's gotten lost. It has certainly gotten lost, Mark, how, how... Go
1: ahead. I'm just saying that there used to be honor and integrity in sports years ago. Uh, and I think about the times when baseball was a national pastime and athletes would walk the uh, the streets and meet people and shake hands, and there was honor, there was integrity. And, yeah, in some situations some of the athletes were uh, a little bit on the, the party side and drinking and dancing, but we forgave them for that because they were decent human beings. And then over the course of time, when sports became a 24-7, when we have the chance to watch any sport across the world, and it becomes a focus of how much money. We're listening right now with, within football. The NFL is going all these free agents, 15 million here, 10 million here, 25 million here. It's happening. We're so inculcated with these messages about money and the, and the glory that it comes from it, we're losing what sports are really about in the general population. It's not necessarily about the seven figures. It's about teaching kids a chance how to work together, learn how to overcome adversity, be part of something bigger than who they are, and develop skill sets and life lessons that really do, that really do make a difference over the course of their life.
0: Sure. We're talking about breaking, breaking a cycle of abuse, uh, much in the same way we talk about, you know, child abuse in the home uh, and, breaking, and breaking the cycle there. It's really the same thing because what you're talking about is a lot of these coaches have faced this kind of behavior when they were younger, and that's all they tell how to do. Um, Correct. And it just perpetuates itself.
1: That's why I claim that uh, we've allowed this kind of culture to exist for generations. This is one of the first books that I can gather, and, and Mark, I spent over two years working on this, and every time I would go on and Google bullying in sports, and there's articles and there's a couple DVDs and there's some things going out there, but there's no book that specifically addresses bullying in sports. So I realize I'm kind of doing an uphill battle because by a coach purchasing this book or an athletic director purchasing this book and giving it to his or her coaches, means that we're beginning to acknowledge that something is going on that's wrong, and we need to take care of it and change it. Yep.
0: So, Randy, what, what, would, what advice would you give for, say, uh, anybody who's con- who has contact with a kid uh, who's experiencing the downside of this stuff, whether the kid is complaining about it and knows it, and is, and is asking for help, or the kid is, is a victim and is, is learning the bad patterns and is trying to deal with on his own and, and might not even acknowledge or recognize that something, that something is wrong. What, what, what interventions are, are helpful? What strategies are helpful? Because I think a lot of the listeners to tonight's show tend to come from a place uh, of, of kind of already knowing a lot of this stuff and do have the compassion and do want to see change. Um, you know, so we're preaching to the converted a little bit. Um, so, like equipping them with some of the tools to help combat it, what are some pointers that you would give uh, to folks who, 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 who want to attack this?
1: Well, the key thing, and that's uh, great that you, you asked that, because I'm dealing with uh, a situation. We have a situation in town. Uh, I was speaking at my uh, synagogue a couple of weeks ago when I kicked off the book, and one of the fathers came over to me and so, said, listen, talk to my son. He needs to talk to you. And so we started talking about a situation, and his, uh, he plays basketball. And the coach is known to be a, a bully coach. And he started to defend mm-hmm. him because it's the way it is. He's just making us better. And he began to validate and acknowledge all the things that he was doing in front of his peers. Well, it was a great conversation. It was a great debate, so to speak. When I left, he pulled me aside and said, listen, coach, i got to tell you, there's no doubt what I'm experiencing is bullying. I didn't want to say it in front of my friends because I couldn't handle them coming after me and almost acknowledging about what was going on. I just couldn't do that. It would be too hard for me. But I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if you go back to the three components of bullying, aggressive, repetitive, and an imbalance of power. The idea is you need to create a balance of power, which is what you're seeing in the situation at BU with the coach, is that players mm-hmm. are stepping up. And that's the hard part, is no one wants to be that kid, that player who steps up against the coach, because they're afraid it's going to end up making their life miserable. Now, the good thing about travel sports is you no longer have to play a high school sport to play a college sport. Because there's so many travel experiences in baseball and basketball, you can go on and play a college sport without even having to play uh, an inning or a minute in a high school varsity game. So that's no longer a situation where you have to you, – you, that's the only route. On the other hand, there's a thing that I talk about that kids feel helpless. Parents feel helpless. And the component is, is that when parents get involved, emotions – often run wild it's helping kids learn how to advocate for themselves but also being prepared mm-hmm. to learn what the coach has to say may not necessarily mesh very well it might make them hurt their feelings however we're dealing with a generation of kids that have a very very difficult time overcoming adversity so in my situation mm-hmm. as a parent the lesson here is not about the sport the lesson is learning how to overcome the adversity, how to overcome the challenge and working through it. The lifelong lesson is not going to be about playing for a great coach. It's going to be the lifelong lesson about this happened to me and this is how I overcame it. On the other hand, if it's to the point to where the kid is suicidal, then that is a mental illness and certainly needs to be taken care of. But part of what has happened in the world of bullying is suicide and bullying have kind of been paired together. Some even call it bully side. Mm-hmm. Suicide is a mental illness. Bullying exacerbates those thoughts. Bullying certainly plays into it, and any anybody who's ever experienced bullying, it makes complete sense to think about wanting to end your life because you want it to be done and over. However, when it comes to suicidal thoughts and those kind of, I just want to disappear, those require specific interventions that coaches are not prepared, I mean, in terms of life coaches. They need to seek out therapists to begin to understand those components of those suicidal thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Great, great.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the whole the whole suicide thing is just something that breaks my heart. It, and it's um, I, we could do a whole other show on that, you know, on that alone.
1: Um, well, Mark, and, real quickly. Uh, you know, and I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: We started the change on bullying back in April 1999, on April 20th. And that's when two kids out of Columbine High School went in who had been picked on and teased and bullied, got tired right. of it, and they sought out the jocks. Now, there's been mixing stories since that happened, for the most part, that's what we believe, and that's what we took from it. And we started looking. Wait, maybe we could take this bullying situation to a whole different level. That our targets and these kids are now taking matters in their own hands. And then you fast forward to these kids like a Tyler Clementi, wonderful sweet kid, mm-hmm. freshman in college, September 2010. His his roommate embarrasses him using cyber technology, gets cyber bullied. He takes his own life, and so we have these two extremes of targets either taking matters in their own hand and creating significant violence and killing and murdering and maiming people, to the other where they don't have the coping skills to deal with it internally, and so they internalize it and they take their own life. Now, most kids fall in between, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to take a time and effort to really get to these kids and help them understand that there's a great website called itgetsbetter.org, that life gets better. And we have to help kids, whether it's in sports or not, understand that life is going to get better. Teenage years stink Oh, it's awful, Mark! Oh my God! Who would ever want to go to middle school again? You know, who ever want to go to high school right. again, unless that's that's where you peaked. Those who peaked in high school that's hang out at right. high schools because that's where they peaked. But it gets better, right. and sports is just a way to take up time to learn life lessons. That ninety nine point nine percent of the fifty million out there playing are just going to love the game, pass it on to their kids, and use it as some other way in life. And that we have to get away from this whole concept of money and bling and all this thing and fame. Sports are great. Sports are a wonderful way for kids to connect. It keeps them out of drugs. It keeps them out of alcohol. It keeps them out of trouble. When done right, they're connected with role models of people who care, people who can listen to them, people they can go to, and they can find a chance to support themselves in such a way where the greatest gift we can give kids is the gift of independence, and they can learn those skills on a field or on a court.
0: Very good, and I think that's a perfect Perfect closing message, um, and uh, you know it's about reminding people what is the original intent of team sports to begin with, and let's get back to that and really start empowering kids because that has an impact on society as a whole. Because uh, I mean, again, we could do all another show on the overall impact of society uh, and how this perpetuates other ills in society. So I, I think that if we uh, get back to some of those basics, uh, some other social ills might be cured too. So, uh, so then Mark, then bring, bring, you bring me back, so, bring me back again. Yes. I would love to. I would love to. So let's let's talk about that and do a part two. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Randy. It really is. It's, uh,
1: <laughs> Thanks, Mark. It's, it's been a long pleasure. time. You're a great coach.
0: Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. As are you. And I talk about you a lot, actually, in uh in uh, some of the classes I teach, or sometimes just you know, I, I'm a big storyteller. I love telling stories, right? So usually, no matter what the topic is, I have a story that relates. And sometimes, you know, if it's something about this topic, I always manage to mention, oh, and I know a coach who does work in this area. His name's Randy Nathan. He's really awesome. So, um, so uh, I, we belong to the mutual admiration society, as the song from some Broadway show goes.
2: Would um, <laughs> yes, you it like to do little old parents? Little
0: League parents are as bad as uh, uh, high school theater parents, too, in some ways. So uh, it's not necessarily just just uh, secluded to the sports world. Um, Absolutely but even, not. By, by but no means. The by no means. Too. <laughs> um, but uh, great. So thank you again, Randy. It's been uh, a really great man. talking thank with you. you this evening. And uh, certainly. And uh, so, before we wrap up, I would like to invite everybody out there listening tonight to feel free to mark your words if you'd like. If you've got feedback for us, you'd like to communicate to the Life Coach Radio Network, just visit us at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Life Radio Network. Click on the follow button and send us a message. For feedback directly to me or to suggest a show topic, go to MarkMyWordsRadio.com, click on the Home Contact button, scroll to the bottom, and fill out the contact form. I hope you enjoyed the past hour and that you found it engaging, enlightening, and stimulating. And I look forward to speaking with you all again two weeks from tonight at 9 o'clock on the next episode of Mark My Words. Thank you for listening to Mark My Words. I'm Mark, and those are my words. Good night.